Hello, and welcome to Detours, a Glory Sports podcast where I, David Stahl, digital editor of Glory Sports, sit down with sports figures who have achieved excellence in their fields through bold, unconventional, strange, and novel practices. From athletes to community leaders, sports psychologists to coaches, media personalities to front office executives, I'll be inviting guests on the program to show listeners how they might learn to explore excellence by paving detours of their own. On today's episode, we welcome on professional race car driver Demi Chakas. Demi's story is one I feel so lucky to share because it's one that's built off sheer determination, self-belief, competitive drive, and an uncanny willingness to know when to take a leap of faith. Chakas knows all about defying the odds. In 2021, the Ontario native was diagnosed with TGCT, a rare condition that attacks the body's joints, and one that we dive into heavily throughout our conversation. Following surgery and a spectacular recovery, Demi is back and making her mark behind the wheel, hoping to inspire other women to defy the odds and take on male-dominated arenas. I hope you're able to find as much value in Demi's story as I did, because truly, this was one of the best conversations I've had all year. Enjoy. Today, we welcome on professional race car driver Demi Chakas to the program. Demi, thank you so much for taking the time. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And now, of course, we've had the chance to, to speak to an array of athletes or writers, members of, of the sports world from an array of different backgrounds, but not yet a driver and in such a <laughs> unique platform to speak from. I'm wondering if Maybe to start, it makes sense to start from the beginning of your story. And if you could outline how you first fell in love with the sport, what your introduction was to it. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny because coming across a race car driver uh, for me is not unusual, but for others, it <laughs> seems to be uh, one of those occupations where uh, it's, it is quite rare. So it's one of those sports that has been in my household probably since the time I was born. My dad is a big race fan and, you know, raced at a club level and regionally uh, growing up. And so like, there's pictures of me at my home racetrack with my mom changing my diapers and me at the racetrack with, uh, you know, the Michelin man and everything. So it's one of those uh, sports that I just grew up around and it was funny because I was a I was a triathlete prior to getting into racing, and mm. my focus was just so heavy on wanting to be the best triathlete that I could be. And with that, kind of fell into uh, what some call the female athlete triad, and um, that's something that I would like to kind of open up a little bit more about as I kind of move along and help and mentor, you know, young athletes coming through the ranks because it is something that does affect you know young female athletes and even older female athletes too, I would assume. Hmm. But um, with that, I incurred a severe hip injury that ended my career. And so, you know, you're kind of forced to stop cold turkey and you're just kind of thinking like, oh man, like I'm used to training and working out at least five times a day, almost every day. Like, what do I do now? Like, you mean I just go to school and come home and that's it? So I, um, from there, I just started thinking, okay, you go through different phases, you know, there's different phases of being angry, being upset and not wanting to accept the reality of your situation. And 
once you kind of move past that and understand that feeling sorry for yourself really doesn't take you too far, you start to kind of think about, well, what can I control? What can I do? What doesn't utilize my hip? And so at that time, I was volunteering with my dad at the track he was instructing. And I was kind of just, you know, picking up pylons and, and showing up and catching rides. And I figured, you know what, why don't I go into go-karting? I think that would be, you know, a great sport doesn't utilize my hip. And mm. so I took my bike and I biked up to our home track and I <laughs> registered for a ride and drive go-karting. And from there, I just fell in love with the sport. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a roller coaster of a story after that. But Eventually, I made it and I'm here and uh, I'm racing with JMF Motorsports this year with the AMG GT4 mm. and just really happy to be at a professional level. Congratulations. So well earned. Anyone who has listened, obviously, to the start of this podcast where we give a little bit of a rundown of your career history knows that that opportunity is so, so well earned. I did know that you were a triathlete. I'm an avid runner myself, and that that really piqued my interest. I have friends who, you know, the triathlete realm, once you dive into, it's a deep, deep rabbit hole. <laughs> but of course, I think the part yep. that people don't understand if they're not uh, fans of racing or following closely is those physical demands that are also um, attached to that sport. I'm wondering if there was any transferable training or perhaps a little bit of an advantage you had on that front um, coming in as as a former triathlete. Mm -hmm. Well, as a runner, you know, a lot of it is a single sport. When you're running, mm -hmm. of course, you can have coaches and you, you can have other teammates, but it all comes down to you. It's an individual sport. And with racing, for sure, we have our teammates and we have our incredible pit crew members and engineers and mechanics that come together. It's, it's a team sport, 1000%. But it's also very mental um, in the aspect of it's you in the car and it's just you in the car and you have to perform and push yourself. And just like with running and triathlete, like, you know, with biking and swimming, a lot of it is overcoming a lot of mental barriers that you place on yourself. And especially with my upcoming into the sport, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it was a very brief, uh, kind of uh, introduction that I had just given there where, oh yeah, I signed myself up for go-karting and here <laughs> I am. Like, it really was yeah. not like that. I mean, yeah. I, I sacrificed my schooling. I dropped out of university so that I could work multiple jobs to afford my first race car. And, mm. you know, I, I really, you know, cut my teeth in uh, regional racing and just, you know, working multiple jobs at once to try and afford to be out there. And I think, being a triathlete and having to have so much mental discipline, especially at a young age, because in high school, that's when like, it, it's tough to tell if a, if a kid is going to stick with a sport or not, you know, they might like it when they're in Timbit soccer, say, for example, and <laughs> in high school, there's a lot of distraction. Uh, you know, that's when kids want to start going to hang out with friends and they start finding different, uh, you know, activities that they want to do. And with me, I was just, you know, on a straight path where it was like, nope, 5am, I'm up on Saturday, I'm biking 100 kilometers, I'm running half a marathon. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times when you know, five o'clock in the morning, that alarm clock goes off, and it's dark outside, it's winter, you have to walk to the pool to go swim. And you got you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where you really have to dig deep and ask yourself every day, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want 
to, you know, achieve this dream or this goal that you have. And it's one of those things where I would, that was almost like an everyday thing for me was like really having to dig deep because every practice I attended to every game I played at or every, you know, competition that I took on, I wanted to give 110% and I wouldn't settle for anything less. So it wasn't like, oh, okay, I'll skip a practice or I'll show up and I'll take it easy. It was like, no, it, like I was going hard no matter what. So, mm-hmm. you know, training, training for triathlons really just taught you to have self-discipline and to dig deep and to just always have that constant why, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody needs a why. That's what gets you up in the morning. That's what keeps you driven. And um, I wouldn't have come this far like I've been working this, this dream and, you know, this goal to get to a professional level for eight, nine years now, like this isn't an overnight success story for me Mm -hmm. by any means. And, you know, a lot of people would have given up, but I think being a triathlete really taught me my mental discipline and how to dig deep in tough times. Mm, I love that, especially, yeah, that transferable aspect of at the end of the day, it is to some degree, a, a solo endeavor, and and you have to find that inner drive. And I think it's tough. You mentioned it. You this has been such a long journey for you that it's impossible to really encapsulate how much effort and sacrifice has been put forth in in just a, a short interview. I think one thing that you touched on is working multiple jobs in order to get here. Another part of that is the leap of okay, I need to dive into this full time and and you did walk away from a really solid fantastic job for someone to have in their early 20s in order to pursue racing full time correct me if i'm wrong um and i'm wondering mm-hmm. if you can describe the feeling of course i'm sure there was it was very liberating in some sense to say okay i'm diving mm-hmm. in head first but also terrifying as well i'm sure <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You nailed that right on the head. I <laughs> There are so many emotions when you finally just reach this point of saying, yeah, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go and I'm, and I'm going to do it. But I think liberating is a fantastic word. Uh, terrifying, yes. But <laughs> I also feel as though deep in your gut, I think everybody knows what they want to do. I think everybody has that passion. Everybody kind of knows what they what they are kind of brought here to do. And very few, and I, I wish more people would actually listen to it because when you actually just say, you know what, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna make this decision, I'm gonna go after it. Although it is super hard and the amount of work that's put in, like I was working from six o'clock in the morning uh till three thirty at one job. And then I would switch over to my next one from 5 till about 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day, seven days a week. That's you know, when, I, <laughs> when I left school, I just, I was like, so, you know, you drop out of school and it's like, I want to be a race car driver. And mm. it's like, okay, you make that decision because you know that's where you want to be. And it's like, well, where do I start? Like, how do you become a race car driver? And it was like, well, step one, get money. Like that was, you know, like it's an expensive sport and I knew Mm -hmm. I needed money. So, you know, you, you work and there's little wins along the way. And this is something that I actually like to talk about because I think it's so important. And now with social media and there's a lot of be an entrepreneur, go after your dreams, you know, quit your nine to five. 
I'm totally on board with that. You know, like if you have a passion and you're even slightly good at it, go for it. Just see mm-hmm. what happens. Like you have your whole life to work and to figure things out. What I feel as though some people, you know, if it's not overnight success or they didn't hit a million subscribers on, you know, some type of social media platform, you know, either you give up early or you don't feel like it's meant for you, you get discouraged so soon, but it's these little tiny wins. Like I remember I was working at a breakfast restaurant. Um, it was just a really tough, I was, I was really overtired that day, but I was doing my best and I was talking to one table and I still remember the guy's name. His name was Ian. And I was talking about racing with him and he said, Hey, Demi, he goes, do you mind uh, signing my placemat for me? I want to keep this for when you become famous. Oh my God. And I was like, you you know, and that was just one of those little moments where I'm like, this guy wants my autograph. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, what do you even write for an autograph? I remember remember writing on his placemat word for word. I said, to Ian, would you like home fries with that? With love, Demi. <laughs> and I, I gave it to the guy. And, you know, it's just those little small wins and, you know, people who want to share your story. And that's why I appreciate platforms like what you're offering athletes and people and share their stories because it makes that individual feel like they're on the right path and that people care about their career, that they're doing something right. And, mm. you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's terrifying, but, you know, focus on the small wins and just, just go at it. <laughs> mm, I love that incremental victories, right? Have the big visions that you're working towards, but you got to have wrote like sort of stops along the way that you can check in and say, okay, that's a win now, but you touched Good. on, it is such an expensive sport, but I think it's also important to emphasize that not everybody is starting from the same starting point either. It, there is a massive gender gap in the sport. And it's funny, like about an hour or two ago, I saw this old archived um, moment from the ESPYs where Peyton Manning, I think it was 2016, it was Peyton Manning, uh, Abby Wambach, the legendary U.S. soccer player, mm-hmm. and Kobe Bryant were all receiving um, some sort of Lifetime Achievement Award. And Wambach was uh, explaining after the fact that you know, those two walked off into the sunset and the next day they got the same award. They'd put in the same amount of effort into their sport. And the next day, after she'd retired, she was, you know, an Olympian and this star for years. She was looking for a day job to pay off the rest of her mortgage. Like we're not living in the same Mm -hmm. reality, which is, which is, you know, heartbreaking. And I'm wondering what the space was like for women drivers when you first entered and has have you had the chance to see it evolve? Because I know part of your mission is is to help be that catalyst for the next generation of drivers. Absolutely. That's something that I feel very passionate about. And I almost feel like it's I'm obligated to do it. I think if there's anybody out there who's chasing anything that they feel is great. I feel as though you almost don't have a choice. You know, it, it kind of comes with the role. If you're going to go out there and you want to be great at something, your next steps or, you know, even during it is to help mentor the ones coming through to, you know, continue in that legacy and to continue on that path. And it's true, though. It's <laughs> when I first started, I have seen some evolution and it's been positive for sure. But when I first started, I never looked at myself as anything different. Mm. And that was probably just being me being naive and 
always just feeling like I was one of the guys. Like, I don't know. I was always a tomboy growing up and I played all the tough sports. And even in high school with the, I played a lot of rugby in high school as well. And um, I would sometimes go and work out and do the the practices with the guys rugby team. Now mm. I wouldn't be out there tackling them or vice versa, but you know, the weight training workouts that they had and et cetera, like I, I just wanted to compete at, you know, a level that was like, you know, was going to push me. And I just felt like I wanted to do it all. And I never saw gender as a thing. In my opinion, it was like, Oh, they're doing another workout. I have the energy. Let's go hop in and see what they're up to. Hmm. And so when I got into racing, it was more so me just trying to navigate the sport and just being so thankful that I was actually there and wanting to hone my craft and be good at my craft and to learn how to be great at it. And that was my focus. And it was more other people kind of coming up and saying like, Hey, you know, you're a female race car driver. That's so different. There's no other females here. And, you know, it, once it gets said enough times, you start to look around. And I remember it was a moment where we were having a driver's meeting and I, I just tried to kind of looked around cause they were explaining the flags and stuff. And like, eventually that becomes, you know, uh, just repetitive. <laughs> and I was, I was just looking around and I was like, you know what? I'm like, they're right. I, I really am the only female driver here. And that was the case for quite a few years. And, you know, there was uh, Megan Gilks who's done very well in her career. She was another female racer that I came up the ranks with and she was more open wheel. So we never competed against each other. We were in uh, two completely different classes, but um, it was still like another female that was somewhere in the paddock. And, you know, that was kind of like a small win. And mm. now with my niece, uh, she's eight years old and we're bringing her through uh, the go-karting ranks. We've had her go-karting since she was five. And um, you go to the go-kart track and you start to see more young girls getting into the sport. And when I head back to the regional races, you know, there's a handful of other females who are, you know, kind of coming through the uh, ranks or trying out racing. And it's just, it, there has been a big movement in female racing. And I also feel like there's been a lot of spotlight shined on it too. There's been a lot of encouragement and support from companies who mm. have, I want to say, stepped up to the plate and realized that this was something that maybe we just needed more attention to. And sometimes I feel as though the conversation needs to start at home with you have a young daughter, just having that conversation of, you know, you can do that too. And you know, you can belong in racing. If that's something you're interested in too, let's bring you to the racetrack. And then when they're there actually seeing a female out there on the track, when I was young and I would go to the racetrack with my dad, you know, the only females really that were ever kind of relevant were the podium girls and the umbrella girls. And I never resonated with that. And it kind mm. of sends the message of if you want to be a female in motorsport, that's where you belong. And it's just nice to see more females active in the paddock as drivers and can showcase to young little girls that they can be there too. And to have companies and people investing and sharing these stories and these messages so that that message can be brought into households, that's where you're going to see some positive change. Every interview that we do with someone who is, you know, at the top of such a niche 
sport, you realize how important representation matters across the board. And and I'm curious, though, it's such a unique challenge to perhaps not have that when, you know, you've been put in the position to help build it. But growing up, again, you're looking at the people on the podium or the people holding the flags like these people are, are not particularly behind the wheel. I'm curious who your athletic inspirations were growing up, whether they were professionals, people in your personal life, drivers, triathletes, etc. I had, so just to back up a little bit, I grew up in the country, we didn't have TV or internet. Mm. So I didn't have a lot of, you know, we didn't watch a lot of TV or, you know, you know, surf the internet quite a bit. And so the people who I looked up to were those who were very close to me. And often those were my coaches. And um, I had a lot of support from my high school coaches, Miss McFarland, Miss Bush, and even Mr. Hammond, like just all of all of my high school coaches um, and my running coaches, even like uh, <laughs> Harvey Mitro and and such like these were the types of people who I just, I, I really looked up to and I wanted to do good for because mm. they were the ones that were feeding me that motivation and that encouragement that I could be something great. And I feel as though a role model is that person who obviously you see something in them that you want to be. And so a lot of my coaches were well-accomplished athletes themselves. And now they were mentoring and they were trying to, you know, give that helping hand to other athletes to come through the ranks. And I, I really appreciated my high school coaches. Um, there was a triathlete who I also really looked up to, and her name was Lindsay Thompson. And she's done Ironmans, marathons, uh, like you name it, and this lady has done it. And I trained a lot with her, and she was a huge motivation for me. And, yeah, I, I mean, I'd watch mm. a lot of basketball, too. And so people like Steve Nash, just with his charisma, um, was really good. And then as I moved into, you know, teenager and, you know, early 20s, uh, Sabine Schmitz kind of played a huge role in my life. And um, just everything she did in Germany was just, you know, the types of cars that she raced and who she was like, you know, she was just a female who was just there and was rocking it like she, you know, and that was inspiring to me. And um, even my coach now, Melanie Patterson, who has done a lot of racing and has a similar story of being an athlete prior to being a race car driver, which is also an athlete, but just a different type. Um, so I, I don't know, they they come, they've come along the way. But for me, it was more so just high school coaches, really, that were uh, huge role models for me. Mm. And when you describe these role models, and when you describe your, your uh, past growing up, there's such a diversity in sport, whether it be driving today or rugby with the guys before. And, and with that, this love of competition, I'm wondering where that competitive drive came from, because it takes a lot to fuel those sacrifices and those long days. Again, we talk about internal fuel that all comes from a competitive drive. A lot of the time, um, are you able to source it to one particular person? <laughs> It's funny you say that. Um, I, I mean, I was that I was that kid. I played seven sports with my high school, and I competed at a national level for triathlons on the side, and did uh, half marathons and everything <laughs> on top of it. So you're right in saying that I was just born 
an incredibly competitive person. And it's more so a competitiveness with myself. I'm not going to lie with me. It drives me nuts. If there's a task that I want to do, I want to make sure that I can do it. I just like knowing that I can do it. And that's something that's more internal than anything. And um, it's funny because I've gone back actually, and I help coach uh, my old high school's basketball team, uh, the senior <laughs> boys ha- basketball team. When do you sleep, and, Demi? Um, <laughs> never, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was I was coaching them, and my old coach was still, you know, one of the coaches there, Mr. Hammond. Um, after a disapp- somewhat disappointing season, you know, he came up to me and was like, "Demi, it's so hard to find students like you." It was so hard to find people that just had that inner beast in them and that, mm. that drive and that will and that, that want to win. Like you, that's, you can't teach that. That was in you. And I'm not saying that to, you know, kind of toot my own horn or whatever, but it, it, it really put it into perspective because you sometimes do think about it. You're like, well, I'm, I'm a really nice person. I do like sharing. I like, I'm not like, <laughs> you know, overly competitive with stuff like that. But when it, comes to sport and when it comes to performance it's it's more so this competitiveness within myself and just wanting to know that i can do the task and i can do it well enough where i can win you know that's kind of where i come from so (laughs) Mm. and i i think part of it not to speak for you too i'm sure is just that it comes as a surprise to hear that because you normalize it with yourself, right? Especially with training. Um, I mean, in running, it certainly becomes this way. I'm sure it's the same way with driving or, or triathlons where, you know, you're going by a training plan or a schedule and you're amounting all of these hours, but it's just a natural part of your life. And, and you know, I always think that how you do anything is how you do everything. And so if you just keep stacking those chips, keep stacking those hours, all of a sudden that just is who Demi is. And and it's not until someone <laughs> from the outside goes, it's pretty crazy that you're balancing all these things that you kind of snap out of it and go, wow, yeah, I, I guess it is. And I think <laughs> the, the neat part about your journey is that it's mixed with these really intentional detours, like quitting your job and, and also these unintentional ones. And that's the reality of life, right? Sometimes you are thrown into um, situation and, and, you know, you've gone through things in 2021 and earlier in your career that you've had to face. I'm wondering if now in retrospect, there's a particular detour that in the moment felt like a challenge, but now you look back and are perhaps grateful for. Oh, yeah. I mean, the two main uh, scenarios that jumped to my mind is my hip injury mm. and as well as my diagnosis in 2021. Yeah, My hip injury at the time was probably the most devastating thing I could have gone through at that point in time, personally, when something that you love is stripped away from you with what seemed like the excuse of me just being too passionate. Because the way the doctors had told me that I had incurred my hip injury was that I was overtraining and I wasn't eating properly and it was just wear and tear. And I, I just completely like for the most part blew out the left side of my hip. Mm. And what I thought was dedication and drive and determination to wanting to be the best. And, you know, if I'm not working out somebody else is and just really wanting to give that 110%, all of a sudden that's actually what caused me my limitation and Mm. my injury. And, 
having that stripped away from me. So there's a few things when you go through an injury like that. It's it's the morning of the loss of a future that you thought you once had. And it's also trying to wrap your head around the fact that you did it to yourself. Mm. You know, something that you wanted so desperately and you essentially, you know, I had done that to myself and it, it was just, it was really tough mentally getting over um, that injury and kind of navigating. Cause you know, you sometimes identify by what you do when people ask me, Oh, like, what do you do? Like, you know, I'm a triathlete. I like triathlons were my life. That's what I identified by. So now all of a sudden you take that away from me, mm. you go through this identity crisis, you go through this period of, you know, not knowing what you like to do in life or where you, you want to go. And in the end of all of that, that's how I found racing. And that's how I found go-karting. And that's what shifted my career into car racing, which, I mean, I would say I feel like I have way more of a purpose in this sport, particularly with mm. racing. And I, I have way more of a love for it. It's everything that I liked about triathlons, but like on steroids, you know, like it's <laughs> a, a, you're, you're, I was like, you're telling me like, I can be this competitive and like this mentally and physically stimulated. And I don't have to be up at 5am to like bike a hundred kilometers <laughs> or run, you know, half a marathon. I was like, this is, this is it. Like I'm <laughs> definitely cool with this. And the adrenaline was, was far better. So that was definitely one of those setbacks that turned out to be a massive, of blessing. I mean, I, I wouldn't be here speaking with you today had that not happened to me. Mm. And of course, with my diagnosis in 2021, so I was diagnosed with a rare disease called TGCT. And um, essentially, it's a it's a rare disease and it's under the sarcoma uh, category and it uh, causes aggressive tumors in your joints. And when it's found in one joint, it, it usually sticks in that one joint. So mine was in my left knee. That was difficult because of the timing, mostly. Mm. A, we got that diagnosis as we were filming uh, the upcoming documentary that's coming out this year with the AMG GT4. And so it was kind of like, you know, why now? Why yeah. all of a sudden I have this breakthrough moment? Why do I have to go through this now? And, you know, you have to go and get immediate surgery to get the disease out and so forth. And it was just this moment of like, you know, I finally get this breakthrough moment that could potentially, you know, just be mega for my career. And now all of a sudden I'm in and out of hospitals almost every week. I'm, you know, being rushed into surgery. They don't have answers for me because at the time they told me this disease affected 1.8 out of a million people. Oh my and God. so asking, yeah, asking doctors any questions, they didn't know. They couldn't tell me recovery, this, that. They gave me a chart that said you know six to 12 weeks and you know that should be the recovery and my surgery happened about a month before i was supposed to be down in california to do the race with the amg gt4 and i just said absolutely not as like i've worked way too hard to have this moment taken from me and so those are those moments when you know again going back to what i learned from being a triathlete you dig deep and I had everything sorted and I, I, I worked my butt off in physio and I was back in the race car in a month. And I, I proved, I proved the medical teams that told me it wasn't possible. I proved them wrong. And, um, but it wasn't about proving them wrong. It was proving me right that I mm. knew that I had what it took to do that. And, um, 
from there, you know, I, I got my ride with the AMG. I was individually selected after that to have an opportunity afterwards. And why I think that that's such a huge blessing is obviously, you know, those stories of pulling through uh, during adversity. But what I'm very grateful for is that it was documented on such a large platform. Mm -hmm. That diagnosis was a blessing to have happened during that specific time. Because these are messages that I like to share and overcoming obstacles and having a strong mind and pushing through it and doing what people say are impossible. And so to have that documented and to be broadcasted on such a large level, like what better time than it <laughs> to have come? You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I, I really do think that it was a blessing as well. I, I love that so much. And you know, I would never, uh, from the outside looking in, I would never hazard, hazard to say that a diagnosis like that would be a blessing because I, I was aware of the timeline around it. And when you read it, you just go, oh my God, give give this woman a break. She's working so <laughs> hard for, for these opportunities. But you're so right. I mean, you can't quantify the value that those lessons offer to you and that the value that that message brings to to other people. I, I wasn't aware that this will obviously be documented in, in the documentary. We implore everyone to uh, to please check that out. But wow, that's fascinating. And, and it's amazing that you're able to offer that voice to to such a big platform. I'm wondering what advice you might offer a young professional, either an athlete or someone in a in another field who is stretched thin and they, they want to follow their passion. But again, there is a little bit of that fear. Maybe they don't have that demi-competitive drive deep in their spirit. Um, I'm wondering what advice you would offer to them. Yeah, it's tough because there's so many different things that run through my mind. Hmm. And I think it's it sounds cliche, but finding your why is really important. And it's mm. said a lot, but if you have a dream and if you have something that you genuinely want to chase, you know, how does that, how does that passion make you feel? You know, how your current situation, if you were to be stuck in that forever, would you be satisfied with your life? Mm. And, you know, reminding yourself of the reasons why you started and trying to find kind of a bigger picture with it. And, and a, 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 with racing, for example, for myself, I knew my why was that I was miserable on the course that I was taking in school. I had no idea what my future lied ahead. Like I didn't want to be, I was in school for pre-med and I was doing my internship at a medical clinic and I was realizing like, oh my gosh, like this is not where I want to be or what I want to do with my life. And at that time I hadn't found another sport. I was still kind of rehabbing my hip and everything like that. And when I found racing, all of a sudden I felt this fire ignite again. I had passion again. I wanted mm. to be better. I wanted to do better. I started like, you know, getting motivated to, to work out again and to push myself both mentally and physically. And you have to stop and think. What in your life gives you that? Not many things, you know, just give you that fire to want to be a better person. Yeah. So if that passion that you have or that dream that you have is genuinely making you want to be a better person and serve humanity in the best way possible with the best version of yourself, that's a passion that, you know, alone should almost be your why, because 
20, 30 years down the road, you know, you don't want to live with the regret of not doing it. Or is this something that you want to leave behind for, you know, either your family or your kids, or do you have like, just what is your why? Why Mm -hmm. do you want to do it? For me, it was because I felt like a passion was reignited for me, not only just in myself, but for life. Like I had a passion for life again. Like I wanted to do things. I wanted to be better. I wanted to go after something. And that was huge for me. And then as you start going through it, you realize on not so selfish reasons for how it makes you feel. It's how can you impact society with what you're doing? You know, find a passion and serve humanity with it. And that was a really big thing for me because I realized I have a platform simply by doing what I'm doing to encourage other women and other young girls to do what they want to do and to have the confidence to do it. Like if I could go out there and succeed in a male-dominated industry, let alone a male-dominated industry, racing in general is just a Mm. hard industry. It's a very hard industry to break through on. And if I could go out there not from a trust fund family, university dropout, serving tables. And nine years later, I can sit here on your podcast and say (laughs) that I'm racing, you know, at a professional level and in Mercedes AMG GT4, you know, anyone can do it. And I promise you that, but you just have to find that why and let Mm. that drive you. I love that. I love that so much. Oh, wow. That's so much value to take out of that message. I think a big part of it too is just get out of autopilot, be aware of how satisfied you are in your current life and and don't be afraid to look for it. Demi, thank you so much for taking the time. I want to again implore everyone to check out that documentary when it does drop. Please follow Demi's career, particularly this year. It is so exciting and we really, really, really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much for having me, David. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning into our episode of Detours featuring Demi Chakas. Be sure to subscribe for more insight from Canada's greatest sports figures. We have some really exciting episodes coming up, so we invite you to stay tuned and give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the interview. In the meantime, we also invite you to take any nugget of knowledge that might help you with your own detour. Who knows? You might be our next guest.